Namo Mahavaranaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitana Namne Gaurati Say Nama Adadana Srinam Dantaya Hiram Jache Puna Puna Srimad Rupa Padamboja Dulisham Janma Janmani Enyandantam Pulakot Karena Bikasam Nipa Prasunat Stevim Prodrikritva Bujad Bayam Hari Hari E Tu Chai Vedantam Muhu Nittantam Dutamasrinir Jara Chai Sinchantam Urvitalam Gayantam Nija Parasadai Parivratam Sri Gaura Chandram Nama Ananda Lila Maya Vigrahaya Hemavadivyachtavisundaraya Tasmai Mahapremarasa Pradaya Chaitanya Chandraya Namo Namaste. Yes, same question. I have a question from Gupta Gautan. Why and how can consciousness exist separately from matter? Why and how? Yeah. One famous writer, uh, uh, intellectual, Susan Sontag, she had a statement in her notes as consciousness is harnessed to matter. So, <clears throat> as Srila Guru Maharaj says in his subjective evolution of consciousness, concept that the whole objective world is like an iceberg floating in an ocean of consciousness. <clears throat> and he will say that a cluster of subjective concepts makes an object. So, in other words, attributes are concepts, like hard, soft, heavy, light, black, white, you know, length, breadth, depth, all of these are uh, subjective. You think a cluster of subjective concepts makes an object. So really, at the basis of everything is consciousness. <clears throat> um, the uh, objective evolution <clears throat> um, assertion is that there are you know, <clears throat> a trillion trillion planets, uh, stars, planets, etc. <clears throat> and there's one, the Earth, that uh, sustains a conscious elite and that conscious elite, if they get lucky on a good day, they experience a drop of happiness. So in this conception, matter is more or less infinite. And then consciousness, there's a very small amount of consciousness, right? And all of this, all this matter this trillion, trillion stars, or so many universes, whatever 
source you have of information of how the size of the universe. In this scenario, matter, the objective world, is the, the um, vast substance, right? bordering infinite, just for the sake of example. And then there's just this one tiny place. And we know, you've seen pictures on, on the internet of the Hubble telescope or other telescopes, and they'll show the, the uh, what to speak of the Earth, the sun, and show how tiny these things are in comparison to so many other things. So only in this one little dot of a place, there are conscious living beings. So if we take it that consciousness is a substance, so that's, that's the only place where consciousness has manifest. Right? And then, within, so within the small amount of consciousness, in this vast objective world, rarely will that conscious subject experience happiness. Right? Yet they're hardwired to seek happiness. Right. <clears throat> Sweetness, such things. <clears throat> I've mentioned before when, when I was a, a child and where I lived in southern Maryland, there were uh, blackberry patches. Right? And they're around this high, and they're, the blackberries are close to the ground, and they're like thorny. And, and you have to really sort of crawl in there to get them. And my friends and I, we like to do that. And, you know, these juicy blackberries, just by touching them, your fingers become purple. And one time we crawled in there and I'm looking and I see there's a turtle who's, because the blackberries hang low to the ground, that turtle is eating the blackberries and really has kind of like a child, has blackberry juice and part all over his turtle face. You know? And when I see him, because I'm low to the ground, and we're both a little startled, but he just like looked at me, kept chewing. And in that moment, briefly, <laughs> I had this realization, I thought, we're searching for the same thing, <laughs> you know, sweetness. I'm searching for sweetness. He's searching for sweetness. And this way we're, we're united. There's some unity, some camaraderie of our beings that we're both searching. We're embodied in different forms. Like we told Manu, tamasa bahurupena beistita karmahetuna that all these life forms you see, how many Padma Purana says, Jalaja, Navalakani, Stavra, Laka, Vingshati, 900,000 aquatics, so many uh, plants, so many trees, so many insects, birds, beasts, Chatur, Lakani, Manushaha, 400,000 varieties of human beings. So it says roughly 8,400,000 and if you think of that, let's just round it off to nine to make it simple. So like when you have R, G, B, 
red, green, blue, or red, blue, yellow. And from that, you know, previously it would be red, blue, yellow, but now with uh, computers, people are more familiar with RGB. And we're, we'll see, it, on old monitors, it was a big deal when, when you would see, instead of um, 128 or 256 shades of whatever, that there were suddenly, they would advertise, on these monitors, there are millions of colors. And I thought, wow, is that even possible? That's what it would say, millions of colors, millions of shades, millions of variations. RGB. What is that from a you know Vedantic point of view? Tama, Raja, Sattva, Tamogun, the mode of ignorance, Rajagun, the mode of passion, Sattvagun, the mode of goodness, and the varieties of combinations of these, millions of different forms, right? Jalaja Navalakani Stavaralaka Vingshati. And then what does Manu tell us? Tamasa Bahurupena. Bahurupena means all these different forms that you see. Vaistita Karmahetuna. It's all karmic dress. As I've said, the body is the biological expression of the soul's delusion. So I'm crawling there in that blackberry bush, you know, human form, the turtles crawling, but two souls in searching for the same thing, which is sweetness, and by extension, happiness. Sometimes um, we, we will say, sat chid anandam, Otherwise, other times, Guru Maharaj mentions another sequence, Satyam Shivam Sundaram. Sundaram meaning beauty, Anandam meaning happiness. This is the culmination, that consciousness can ultimately enables feeling. And what is feeling? Uh, uh, the target of feeling is uh, joy, happiness, ecstasy. But in this scenario of the trillion, trillion planets, the virtually unlimited objective world, with the one little blue planet, with the conscious elite, being human beings, because the turtle's also conscious, right? uh, rarely do they experience a drop of happiness. Perhaps the uh, poem, uh, poet Chandidas, Chandi, I believe, or one of them says, like, uh, searching for happiness in the objective world is like searching for a drop of water in the desert. And you can see this scientific scenario supports that premise. A drop. Searching for happiness in the objective. There, at best, there's only a drop, and it's fleeting. As this life is fleeting, when we hear from the poet Govinda Das, Kamala Dala Jala Jeevana Talamala Bajahun Hari Pare, uh, 
you, you know, for so long, I used to think that meant like, because the come a lotus flower, the leaves of the, uh, the petals of the lotus flower, but that's not what it is. It's the uh, leaf, the green leaf. Here's the lotus, but then there's this green leaf. And you can see with the lotuses we have here that when it rains, they'll be pooled little balls of water. And sometimes they look almost silver from certain angles of it, like mirror-like. And you can look at them and then suddenly, without any indication whatsoever, it just rolls off the leaf. It's not like you can tell it's going to do it. I've, I've done experiments. <laughs> I'm an ontological scientist. So I've sat there and, and tried to see if I could predict when one would roll off, and I never could. Just suddenly one goes off. That's what he's saying. Govinda Das. Kamala Dala Jala Jivana Talamala. This life, it's so um, uncertain. At any moment it can finish. And then that life that's so uncertain at any moment can finish. Happiness is rare as a drop of water in the desert. So what's motivating everybody? <laughs> There's a, a collision and this mad rush to get the drop, right? Loc what's perceived as um, self-interest, right? To acquire, control, and consume things that are lower than us. But, so that's the objective side, right? Guru Maharaj presents subjective evolution of consciousness. Because in the objective scenario, saying the way he put it, just to make it blunt and to give you an example to show the utter absurdity of what is being uh, asserted, he said, can uh, stone produce consciousness? Is that more tenable, or is it more tenable that consciousness can hold within it the concept of stone? The whole objective world is an iceberg floating in an ocean of consciousness. He will say that uh, subjective evolution parallels objective evolution. Just like the other day, Munendra, he is reading the, about uh, Kapila's instructions to Devahuti, and is described as Samkhya Yoga, or as that Bengali man would say, Shankya Jog. Right? But then he sees other places where Samkhya Jog is being rejected. Then we come to understand, there, well, there are two Kapilas, an atheist Kapila and the incarnation of God. And they're both presenting something similar, but one is absent, Atma, or the soul. So in Guru Maharaj's, um, um, how do you say, and um, um, his, his subjective evolution, he's not choosing to argue so many, I think, relatively trivial points. He says they do, they parallel one another. The difference being, one is being driven 
by the soul. It's soul-driven, atma, paramatma. So subjective evolution of consciousness. And in that scenario, where the whole objective world is like an iceberg floating in an ocean of consciousness, the objective world is the least aspect, not the vast one. It's the small, the smallest. Like sometimes we will hear in the uh, Bhagavatam that, uh, or and Prabhupada's purports, different places, like uh, the Tripad Vibhuti and the Ekpad Vibhuti, the three quarters manifestation, one quarter manifestation, saying the spiritual world is three quarters and this world is one quarter. It's actually just to give you some idea. Actually, this world is much less significant than that, the uh, unlimited Vaikuntha of the world. So, in the Vedic uh, scenario, consciousness is that vast substance which the objective world is floating in. And as we said, consciousness uh, allows uh, for feeling and uh, happiness. So it's not the smaller thing, but actually happiness, anandam, and this is the good news, you can tell everybody about it. <laughs> the good news is the ultimate infinite substance is anandam, happiness. Isn't that great? That's the, and we, we, we're still thinking in abstract terms. You know, because whenever we think something is great or big, it, it starts getting abstract on us because our minds cannot process that. But so if you can hold these two ideas at the same time. So the ultimate infinite substance is anandam. Satchit anandam. Satyam shivam sundram. Beauty. Right? Reality of the beautiful. The ultimate source of everything is beautiful and full of love and happiness. <clears throat> like, who can believe, like, all the worlds manifest from the ultimate loving substance who's beautiful, charming, and sweet? That's a different way of thinking. Right? And not even directly from him, because. You know, as Prabhupada used to like to say, you know, Krishna has nothing to do. <laughs> Meaning that, like, for creating universes in the rest of the world, the theistic world, they always think that's a major attribution to God, the creator. Right? And Krishna conception, that's delegated. That's, he has no direct interest in creating, right? So, you know, Balaram, Chaturvyuha, second quadruple, then Mahavishnu. And Mahavishnu, what is he doing? Um, lying in the causal ocean, right? And we're told, in yoga nidra, which means like sleeping with eyes half Closed, half open, half closed. And his peripheral glance, not even direct, peripheral glance, the periphery, 
there is uh, Maya and his uh, glance personifies as Shambhu Shiva and uh, what's the word? Um, impregnates, impregnates all the jivas. Sometimes jivas described, Shiva is described as the sum total of the jivas. Impregnates all the jivas into the womb of Prakriti. And that Mahavishnu is a yasya prabha prabhavato jagadanda koti koti shvaseshu vishudha ruti bindam tad brahma niskalam anantam bhutam and also what's the one Roma vilaja Roma vilaja saying from his pores of his uh, body from each pore a universe comes out during his outward going breath universes come out of the pores of his body and when he breathes in they come back in and he breathes out breathes in that outward going breath is around 150 trillion years the inward going breath around 150 trillion years total 300 trillion years right? <laughs> so <clears throat> that infinite whenever we think of the we're thinking great oh, so Mahavishnu that sounds tenable but what about Krishna should he be he should be bigger than Mahavishnu no but then we said no Krishna is like like human size <laughs> Don't feel bad. Brahma was also deceived. So we're in good company. We're not the only people who are bewildered by this. Brahma was bewildered. Uh, Indra and Shiva with Mohini Murti. So we're in good company. With the bewildered group. Right? So that's why the Bhagavatam gives away the plot in the first sloka. Right? Like any good book, any great book, the first line, first sentence is always very important. Usually it tells you. Everything else is just when you get to the end, you realize, oh, that's what, what he said in the very beginning. So when you reach the end, you go to the 10th count of the Bhagavatam and later the 12th, you realize, oh, he said this in the very beginning, that janmad yasya yataha, from, from whom everything is coming. But Chakravarti Thakur will say, yes, you see that adi, janmasya adi, here doesn't mean etc. or et out, but it means uh, from adi rasa, uh, mukya rasa, the principle of rasa, that means madura rasa. Everything's coming from madura rasa. That's the sundar ananda, right? full of beauty and sweetness. This is the good news. That's the ultimate uh, infinite substance, but not in an abstract sense. And it's all advaya gyan. 
means this one thing to be known. Upanishads, yasmin vigyate sarvam eva vigyatam bhavati. Try to know that one thing upon knowing which everything can be known. I've mentioned Einstein, we told his girlfriend, mistress, whatever you want to say, said, notice he didn't keep a notebook. And she said, a simple-hearted girl. You know, oh, you should keep a notebook for all your ideas. And he said, I don't need uh, a notebook for all my ideas because I only have one idea. And I keep revisiting this idea. And what is that? The, to, the one thing upon knowing which everything is known. That was his idea. So I don't need to keep notes on that. <laughs> I'm uh, preoccupied with ser searching and trying to know the one thing upon knowing which everything can be known. Right? So it's a, that is advaya jnan, vedanti tat, tatva vidas, tatvam yaj jnanam advayam. See, jnanam advayam, advaya jnan. And then what does it say? And this is in the beginning. Right? Brahmeti, paramatmeti, Bhagavan iti shabhyate. Three aspects to the infinite. And I told, for us, the way we're accustomed to think, the extremes of the infinite, we're more comfortable with that. When we hear like, greater than the greatest, we go, okay, yeah. Like, so, I remember the first time I saw infinite Heard about that? Saw it? Some nun wrote on the blackboard uh, teaching us mathematics and then said, like these words, it goes dot, says, write a few numbers, and then you put a line. So it just keeps going forever. I mean, I'm still tripped out on that 50 years later. <laughs> you put this line, it means it goes forever. Right? So at a certain point, we, uh, it's beyond human comprehension, which, what did we expect? <laughs> you know, like the finite will comprehend the sum total of the infinite. Like Guru Mars will say, in one cell of your brain, you expect to accommodate the, the whole infinite. That's a ludicrous proposal. And we'll revisit that. But so, that Brahmate, the extremes of the infinite, Brahman, greater than the greatest, Anuryanayan Mahato Mahayan, right? greater than the greatest, all accommodating, everything fits within that. Once I realize why Brahmavad, and by extension Mayavad, is so popular and uh, can co-opt everything. And then I thought, well, it's all accommodating. Right? So, it, because I, we're visiting, I think, Mahayogi Maharaj and I were at the, this Vedanta books, searching for a book at this place, and they had on their altar, like, uh, Krishna, you know, Kali, Jesus, you, you know, just one of everything, basically. And then I realized, oh, so they're saying, all accommodated within the Brahman conception. 
<clears throat> but then it becomes nirvishesh. The form becomes secondary to formless. Right? Um, so the other extreme of the infinite, smaller than the smallest. These things we're accustomed to with telescopes and microscopes. Right? So smaller than the smallest within everything. But as Guru Maharaj posited, he said, what will be the central conception of the infinite? If those are the extremes, what is the central conception of the infinite? Which also means the golden mean, right? He said, as one is all accommodating, the other all permeating, all pervading, the central conception is all attractive, attracting everyone to the center. But what is the basis of, what is the attraction? Because we're not just, we're not talking here about like gravity, right? Which by extension, you can make a case for Baladev in the Bhagavatam. But how is he drawing everyone to the center? Right? And it's not matter, material, objective, mundane substance. What is the draw? Right? Beauty, satha, sundar ananda, ananda sundar, happiness, ecstasy, beauty, right? love, everyone being irresistibly drawn towards the center. Akarshan, Krishna, sometimes named Krishna is related to Akarshan, which means that type of magnetism. So Krishna possesses that type of um, uh, magnetism of beauty and charm. Like we were talking the other day when these uh, cute children came here, the Chinese children. And I was thinking like, they're like really irresistibly cute. And then I was thinking, because so, sometimes we hear so much about Madhura Rasa, but then I was saying, so in Vatsalya Rasa, what's the charm? I thought, can you imagine, you see how cute these children are and how we're drawn to them. Can you imagine if there was a child 10 million times cuter than one of these children? You want to know, what's the pull of, of Vatsalya Rasa, familial affection? <laughs> Imagine a kid 10 million times cuter than the cutest child you've seen. What would be your response? You know, we would be uh, helpless, right? But in our helplessness, it, our existence would not be extinguished. We wouldn't stop existing, but we, we would be so happily, wholly given over to the other, in service, wanting to serve and offer ourselves fully, without hesitation, without limitation. Bhajaniya sarvasadguna vishishta. So what to speak of when we come to Krishna conception? And we know the, the full sweetness and beauty and seductive charm uh, of the, the personality of Godhead, which is the central conception of the infinite, is only fully expressed in Krishna. And even when it's in Krishna, its fullest 
expression at the hand, the right side of Srimati Radharani. Only in her presence does he fully reveal all of his beauty and sweetness. And as we hear that when, um, and, and that's, the, and the gopis are um, unconditionally, irresistibly drawn to that Krishna, not even other Krishnas. What to speak of other uh, conceptions of divinity as we're told in Rupa Goswami's um, example, where he says that Krishna, um, he, he, we know that he um, separates himself and hides himself at times from the Brajagopi, Radharani and Brajagopis to increase the intensity of their love and affection. Because the heart in the depths of separation yields the most superior substance of divine love of Krishna Prem. So that's, and Krishna is addicted to that. Otherwise, it appears superficially like he's cruel. How can he do this? But it's even uh, scripted by Yogamaya to intensify divine emotions, love and affection. So one time Krishna is hiding in the kunja and the gopis are, as they always are, searching for Sri Krishna, <laughs> reality the beautiful. <laughs> hey Radhe Brajadevi ke chalalite hey Nanda Shuno Kutaha Gopi, Baba, Rasamrita, Dilahari, the Goswamis, they are Brajavis. They're always drowning in an ocean of Gopi, Baba, what? Searching for Krishna. And Radha and Krishna, in this case, Krishna. So <clears throat> then they think, they see Krishna. So they start running toward that Kunja, and then Krishna's thinking, what to do? Oh, so when they come, he pushes out two more arms, and then, much to their chagrin, they see it's not Krishna, from a distance, looking like Krishna, and then when they get closer, they see it's Narayan. And Rupa Goswami writes, Ragodaya kunchati, the Ragudai, what would be give rise to Rag, or their love and devotion, kunchati is like crushed by seeing Narayan who, by one analysis of Rupa Goswami, if you say that Krishna has 64 qualities, he says Narayan has 60. There must be something about those other four that are special. <laughs> if upon seeing Narayan, they're disappointed, right? The yogis, if they have a glimpse of the Paramatma, they're ecstatic. Right? Here, these teenage girl Brajagopis, they've come in connection with Narayan, of Lakshmi Narayan fame, not Narayan, and they can't conceal their disappointment. <laughs> Who are they? And what do they have? And um, so, 
Um, and the, but they're smart, and they think, you're Narayan, you're, you're omniscient. Do you know where Krishna is right now? <laughs> you can help us. <laughs> you can be useful. <laughs> and then we're told that uh, Krishna tries to play the same trick on Srimati Radharani, but when, Radha, when he comes within the vision of Radharani, the other two arms disappear, and he can only be Swayam Bhagavan Krishna. He can't be anything other than how she sees him. Then who is she, and what is her power? That Krishna has to be Swayam Bhagavan in her presence. <clears throat> so, Vishwanath uh, Chakrabarti Thakur encapsulates this very beautifully, saying, Aradya Bhagavan Brajesha Tonayastha Dhamma Vrindavanam Ramya Kacya Rupasana Brajabudu Bhargena Ja Kalpitai. There's no superior worship to that imagined, invented by Srimati Radharani and the Brajagopis. And what is that? Giving yourself self-oblivion, offering yourself totally. Right? And Guru Maharaj says, Krishna, he, he does, he's, uh, doesn't tolerate any lean holder. You know what a lean is? On a property means someone has an interest, they own part of it. L-I-E-N, lean. lean. He doesn't tolerate that. He uh, claims sole possession of the heart. And again, when I say self-oblivion purposefully to mean solely, so wholly given over to the other as they completely lost themselves, yet retaining their identity and their individuality. And it's reciprocal. Krishna's giving himself in that way. When in the Gita, he promised, you know, reciprocation. As you surrender to me, I reciprocate that. And we think, well, that's, that sounds equitable. Right? But in the case of, so that's Bhagavad Gita. Srimad Bhagavatam takes it to another level. Napariyaham niravajasam yudam, where Krishna tells the Brajagopis, the level of surrender that you've exhibited and demonstrated for me, I can't reciprocate. What kind of endorsement is that? He's saying, but you're making me break my promise that I made in the Bhagavad Gita. Because it's so great what you've done, the sort of love, unconditional love you have for me. I can't reciprocate it. And sort of in a light way, Chakravarti Thakur, he's saying that Krishna is saying, because... <laughs> saying, you gave up, you know, your husbands, your children, your parents, 
Arjapatamchihitva, the you crossed over the prohibitions of the Vedas, Dharma, you threw Dharma and the Jamuna. And you gave up your family. But I haven't done that. <laughs> but I mean, it's an indirect way of Krishna saying, who is it he doesn't give up? Them. It's a little bit circular, you understand. He's saying, I haven't given up my people. Well, that's them. <laughs> and he says in various places, for such devotees who've given themselves, could I ever abandon them? That's his real, um, true family. So uh, that's what he says in the Bhagavatam. Then Srila Guru Maharaj says in, the, um, in his extraction from the Chaitanyastakam of Rupa Goswami, the Sureshanam Durgam Gati Ati Panishad Ati Shayeno Panishadam Muninam Sarvasam Panata Patalinam Madurima Vinir Yasha Prema. I forget. Says here the Braja Gopis. Or what they're seeing is that to their delight and astonishment that Krishna has become the canvasser or the advocate of their mistress. Meaning, Krishna is now telling the world by his own example as Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, the glories of Srimati Radharani. Jari gorna hoita tabiki hoita kemoni daritam dehe Radharmahima prema rasa sima jagata janata ke. Vasugosh saying, if Goranga Mahaprabhu had not descended in this world, we would not know the Radha Mahima, the glories of Srimati Radharani. We will think, as new recruits, like, well, it's about Krishna. Krishna can say everything, Krishna, Krishna. Yes, but there's no Krishna without her. Without her worship, you're, that Krishna is uh, imaginary, a hallucination, fictitious. Not I'm saying that, Bhaktivinoda Thakur saying that. If your Krishna bhajan does not culminate in Radha bhajan, you're wasting your time. And then we say, oh, having read the Bhagavatam, we can come to that conclusion in the 10th canto, <clears throat> which sometimes probably is like, the, that's, if the Bhagavatam as a whole is the body of Krishna, then that's the smiling lotus face of Krishna, which is the most beautiful part, as given by uh, Bilva Mangal Thakur, Maduram, Maduram, Madhu, Shabibo. Maduram, Madanam, Maduram, Madugandi, Medus, Mitamaitaraho, Maduram, 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 Maduram. Saying he's so sweet, 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 sweet is Krishna. His form is sweet. Anangotsavam, like a festival. His divine form, you know, of sensuous beauty. And, if, and more sweet than that is the face of Krishna. 
And if upon the face of Krishna he smiles, it's too much. <laughs> so he's madhuram, 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 sweet, 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 too much sweet. Right? That Krishna. So uh, as Guru Maharaj says, Yadamiyam mahima sri bhagavatam kathayam pratipadam anubhutam apyala davideya tadakila rasam sham rasam murte shamalila avalambam madura rasadi sri radha padapadmam prapadye. Although her name is not uh, given there, but anaya radito the one who worshiped Krishna best, back to Aradya Bhagavan Brajeshwatanaya. <clears throat> every step of the way, every sloka, everything is meant to take us in one direction. We're saying, that's Krishna conception. Yes, but Krishna conception uh, fully and in the highest quantity and quality through what? Radha Dasyam service to the holy lotus feet of Srimati Radharani, if Krishna is only fully, truly Swayam Bhagavan at her side, then it makes sense that service to the lotus feet of Srimati Radharani brings one in connection with the highest quantity and quality of Krishna conception, which is the strategy of all of those in the, uh, the Rupanuga line. Now, then, so we say that, and we say, well, you're all devotees of Krishna and the Braja Gopis. Of course you say these things. <laughs> I would like to meet people who think like that, actually. But then Guru said, so what is the evidence for all this big talk and all these things you're saying? Srimad right? Bhagavatam Pramanamamalam it's the amala means pure praman. This is the pure evidence of the stream. The Bhagavatam is the evidence of this, culminating in those pastimes in the tenth canto. Right? And what is it indicated that beyond Dharma Arta Kama Moksha? No. Prema Pumarto Mahan. Beyond these things. Right? They chagged Dharma. Right? Arjapatam Chihitva. You know, Sarvadharmam Parichajamam Ekam Braja Sharanam Braja. Braja Sharanam Tyag's Dharma. And to achieve what? Prem. The Krishna Prem. That's the goal of all of this. Not to be religious, <laughs> to become a religious person. <laughs> God forbid <laughs> that we become religious. <laughs> Prem means love, which is what everyone is searching for. And then so back to that original, that's the ultimate substance, except it's personified, the personality of Godhead, the supreme personality of Godhead. And so, then Gurumar says, and where did you find all of this? You know, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Matamidam Tatrapi Napara. None other than Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He's asserting these things. And who is he? Krishna, who's come in this world to sing the glories of Srimati Radharani. Isn't that nice of Krishna? 
to do that? I think so. That's just too much that he would descend here to tell everyone how great she is. <laughs> he never said a word against her. Sometimes he said things against Krishna in his mon, his loving anger, you know, gopi bhav, but never anything against her. Right? He's only singing the glories of Srimati Radharani and the sort of divine love that she possesses. Mahabhavs Rupini Radha Thakurani. She's, what did it say recently? Mahabhav Chintamani Radharasvarup. She's like, she coming in connection with her, she's extending the kind of love she has for Krishna. <clears throat> so, yes, how does the soul become riveted to matter? Consciousness harnessed to flesh. It's terrible. <laughs> it should be illegal. <laughs> but that would remove our freedom. But actually, again, good news is Asango Hyayam Purusha. Prabhupada would like to quote this Vedic aphorism saying, the soul is never actually contaminated by the modes of nature. So then what's the play? The Bhagavatam tells us, just as the moon is shining on a pool of light, uh, a pool of water, <clears throat> I always think that classic image they like to show of the moon reflecting on a pool of water in front of the Taj Mahal. It's like every poster, postcard, like that. So if you have that image in your mind, and then you see that pool, and there's the moon shining there. If you, what is it, Yata Jale Chandramasha Kampadis. If you, uh, how do you say, huh? Shake, right, the, the water, and it creates ripples, right? And what do you see? The moon goes like this. It appears that the moon According to the ripples in the water, the moon is becoming distorted. It appears that it's being affected by it. But it's not. The moon is situated in one place, and it is shining. It is reflecting onto the pool. And so it only appears to... So that pool, that is a karmic circumstance for the soul. We're shining onto the body and bodily circumstance. And what is the trembling? Janma, mrityu, jara, byadi, birth, death, old age, disease. And you say, well, you mean we're supposed to overlook birth, the miseries of birth, death, old age, and disease on the basis of some sort of philosophical idea? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's called Krishna consciousness. <laughs> it's very liberating. Tantaraja Murishyeti Pashubudhim Imam Jahi Pashubudhim After all this talk, Sukadev to Parikat Maharaj, including that 10th canto, the 11th canto, all these things, 
it's sort of startling at the end, but it's part of the play. Where he turns to Purukhat Maharaj and says, Tanturajan Marisheti Pashu Budhim Imanjahi. He says, uh, My dear king, he said, So after all of this, he said, To think you're the body and that you will die, when the body dies, that you will die, Pashu Budhi. That's animal intelligence. They think like that. Right? My Bhaktivinoda song, Stand, Heroic Man. No, you're Ma Mevang Sajiva Loke Jiva Bhuta Sanatana. Sun and sun ray, like Krishna, but magnitude is different. Infinite magnitude, Krishna, finite magnitude, Jiva. But with so much prospect, so much hope lies in that prospect. Mm. So Rupa Goswami said, Atakshi Krishna Namari Nabhavye Graham Indye. All these things we're talking about, they're beyond the grasp of the senses, mind, and intellect. That's what we talk about regularly. Things that are beyond the grasp of the mind, those senses, body, mind, intellect. Achintya, that which is inconceivable. The name of Krishna, the forms of Krishna, qualities of Krishna, the pastimes of Krishna, they're beyond human comprehension. Muhyanti Atsuraya, the gods are bewildered and trying to estimate. So what is the conclusion? Guru Maharaj would say that, the, that finite cannot know the infinite by finite means. The infinite can make himself known to the finite. And so Guru Maharaj concludes. And then what will, um, how do you say, um, favorably dispose the infinite toward us? Seva, self-giving, self-offering. That Krishna, uh, that melts the heart of Krishna. Guru Maharaj would say sometimes, we need to touch the heart of Krishna. Right? And what particularly, what, directly? No, if we serve the devotee of Krishna. Right? Like Guru Maharaj pointed out, again, back to those Brajagopis, not scholars. And he said, you don't have to have, understand everything, the whole, like, get all these deep philosophical points. If you can serve, you can get a connection with that plane. That, he said, that's what's demonstrated by the gopis. Although we know in their pastimes as the Goswamis, how much they know. They know everything and more than that. Right? But as gopis, teenage girls, they're not like that. It's not on the basis of uh, cultivated knowledge that they've come to the conclusion that Krishna is this, that, or the other thing. No, just pure heart. Right? And that heart is expressed through sacrifice. And sacrifice means self-sacrifice, self-giving, atma-samarpanam. And that brings, so Rupa goes for me, sevan muhike hijjavarushayamerisporatida. When you, there's a current of self-giving or service, self-sacrifice, 
Then there's illumination, revelation. Hare Krishna. Oh, this is the last thing I wanted to say. So, then we say, so how, how can this be achieved in some realistic way? Guru Maharaj tells us, the nature of pure devotion is such, talking about pure devotees, that they don't allow a pinprick through which any remuneration can pass to them. We may say by analysis, as you surrender to me, I re- and we can re- I reward accordingly, and we can make so many observations and conclusions. But Gurumar is telling real, genuine devotees, they, ha- they don't want anything from Krishna. They truly only want to serve and satisfy and make Krishna happy. There's no expectation of remuneration. Das kori beton mori deho prema dan. So it says prem as for salary. And, and Guru Maharaj said, and what, what, if what comes as a result of seva, he gives the example of compounded interest, like a capitalist. They invest some money, then when the interest comes, what do they do? They increase their capital investment. They don't spend that. You understand? They expand the capital investment and keep expanding it. That is their sole interest to expand their serving capacity. So I think such devotees who will not allow a pinprick through which any remuneration can pass to them, saying, then Krishna is confounded. Krishna has a dilemma because he wants to reciprocate with those devotees, but they won't take it. Like we hear when uh, Srila Sanatana Goswami Prabhu's birthday came and Rupa, Goswami reveres Sanatana as guru and he wants to give something nice on his guru's birthday. And they, we know they're living under a tree, they have nothing. Somehow Rupa Goswami secures some uh, milk from the local gopi girls in the village and makes this cure and offers to Sanatana. And Sanatana Goswami is taking this. But remember, he is a connoisseur of rasa true rasic devotee, right? Except no substitute. And he, this, the taste of this substance to him is unique and it's identifiable. He's on that level. The taste, he, know, he knows there's only one place from which this can come. And so he asked Rupa, where did you get this? And they're saying, Rupa Goswami lives under a tree, where, where, like me. And Rupa Goswami says, one of the girls nearby in Yavat, she gave it to me. And Sanatana Goswami said, go find that girl. And Rupa Goswami goes there, and no one knows any such girl from there. And he comes back and said, no, there's no such girl, no one knows. And Sanatana Goswami Prabhu is devastated and says, like, Ashavari Amrita Sindhu Mayi For whom our lives 
Our whole life's aspiration is to serve her holy lotus feet. We have accepted service from her. How horrible. Right? So Guru Maharaj used this as an example to say, Sanatan in this instance showing the, this higher position than even that of Madhavendra Puri. Right? He's devastated that to receive service from Srimati Radharani. Mm -hmm. So the pure devotees, they do not allow a pinprick through which any remuneration can pass. And that is perplexing to Krishna. Right? What can he do? Right? So Guru Maharaj says, then we, if we come and serve that devotee who won't take any service from Krishna, but if we somehow can serve them, then how pleased Krishna will be doing the very thing that he himself would like to do. So our strategy is always to serve the lotus feet of Guru and Vaishnav. Right? And in that way, please, we don't go around or over or through Guru and Vaishnav in the name of serving Krishna. Never. Right? So, dashayate mamarasastu rasastu satyam sakhayame mamanamostu namostu nityam. Raghunath Das Goswami, the Prayojan Tattva Acharya, saying, my focus is on dasyam. He's the Prayojan Tattva Acharya, the Rupanuga line, saying still, my focus is on dasyam, the least aspect of seva, right? like radha mukhanda parasambhava garma bindu. Right? <clears throat> and he's saying sakya, here meaning more intimate service, that is worshipable to me. Pujala Raghapat Gauravabhange. Matala Sarujana Bhishayarange. High above is worshipable. That's from Raghunatha Swami and echoed in the motto of Sri Gaudiamat from Srila Saraswati Thakur. That keep that plane above as worshipable and as the object of our service aspiration. And however removed we may be, if we get some chance to serve, like Guru Maharaj said, to be utilized, uses that word, like we always hear our Srila Madhusudan Maharaj say, use me, right, when he presents himself to the devotees and says, use me. That way, Guru Maharaj said, that, that, you, that we may have some quota of utility in the spiritual world is unthinkable and inconceivable good fortune. But somehow, by the grace of our Guru Varga, this opportunity has come to us. So no, let no service um, be uh, ignored or devalued. As Srila Saraswati Thakur said, taking Srimati Radharani to be the major domo who's in charge of the domestic affairs of Krishna, every aspect of the Mat Seva is Radha Dasyam, and therefore, Worshipable and desirable by all aspiring servitors. Hare Krishna. <laughs>